Our sponsor today is none other than our Patreon members. You folks are bringing swords and HEMA to listeners worldwide, so thank you. To support our work and receive exclusive benefits, visit patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. In today's episode, we talk to jeweller and swordmaker Aaron Reichhardt, who is based in Italy. We discuss craftsmanship, collaboration and calendars. The interview was recorded on Instagram Live, 9th May 2021. So, welcome to the show, Aaron. Um, That's a beautiful backdrop uh, in the background. Tell me about um, where you live. Well, I am in this small town called Monticello, which is about half an hour from Rome in the area of the... (laughs) Uh, Sabina, I don't know, but it's very nice. Mm. And if you see closely this, there's a castle right, right wow. there. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. It's like a, it's a place called Bara, and I, I will leave the castle in the background because, because we're talking about swords. So there has to be a castle. Well, of course. Um, talking of backgrounds, um, my first question to you is going to be about oh. your background. So you are from Chile originally. Yes, I was born in Chile uh, from a half Italian family. That's why I had it so easy to come here and just stay. Uh, And yeah, I actually studied uh, history there. I graduated from history at the university, but since I did not want to be a teacher, I just kept going with like some hobbies that I had, which were mainly jewelry. At the time I was like almost doing jewelry as a full-time job. And then when I when I finished uh, university and I was like undecided regarding what to do next, I was like, okay, I will just try doing jewelry a bit more seriously and see how it goes. And it started going so nice that I actually continued doing that. And it was actually doing that that I, um, I, I had a chance to go with, with a friend that was working with me. We decided to go to study somewhere else to specialize on, on the craft. And we found a really nice, nice school in, in Northern Italy and we just joined there. It was like what I came here to make like about uh, five years ago. And it was also there that I was like just working there that randomly I met these people that were making swords also in Northern Italy and offered me a job. Before that, I would have loved to do that, but I would have not believed anyone that told me that you could make swords for a living. It was like, how's that possible? No, it's, it's just not. Not like that. <laughs> so you you literally became a sword maker by accident. It wasn't your plan. It was completely out of my plan. But for example, before when I was like, when I was very young, like when I was a teenager, I started making like uh, wooden swords or like chain mail, like, uh, like this kind of, uh, of like early medieval helmets that are made from different pieces. So they are like easier to make rather than where you don't need like super specialized tool. I had made like a lot of, random stuff like always by hobby 
but like even even a couple swords like really really bad swords like very very like like loty but no i had never like expected to 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 do it like as a full-time job it was when i met them that i was like so there's actually enough like demand of swords for people to live from doing it i was really really blown away by that it was like wow so you came to to italy to become a jeweler presumably yeah yeah i came to i was already like working full-time jeweler when we decided to come to italy to specialize but yeah that was the idea my idea was like okay so jewelry is going so fine that maybe i can keep doing it as a job i spent like a really nice time here i learned a lot of like super interesting craft that i'm just dying to get the chance to try in my swords uh but yeah that was the plan the swords just happened because of course i had always been interested in uh, reenactment in in hema and as soon as i got into italy and i was like more fluent with language i was like okay now i will look for a reenactment group to join now i will look for a for a hema school to join and and there and it just happened that the people that i met for reenactment and hema were these sword makers i was like wow so you make swords for a living yeah that's that's true and we saw the things that you make like on facebook and and we wanted to know if you were interested to like work with us because we had been looking for a jeweler for some time i was like no no this is this a joke there's no chance that this is actually like 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 that but it worked and in time of course we we had some small differences and i then had to move to rome so when i moved to rome i had the chance again i was very lucky to like just met the right people and just be able to keep doing it so that was five years ago uh when that arrived in italy five years ago i may have started working uh, in sword making about three and a half years ago maybe four i'm not super sure but something in, in that range so when did you decide i want to be a sword maker and do it for myself uh it was uh, it was mainly when when i knew that it could be done like i had absolutely no problem working uh, up there but when i had to move to rome i was like okay i will do everything in my power to keep doing that mm-hmm. because i know it's possible like it was mainly that it was possible it was something that i would have given everything to do like back in the day i just i did just had no idea that it was like an achievable goal mm. When I arrived here and I saw that there were so many people making swords and not only that it was also then that I started like posting my swords on Instagram and I saw like all the reception they got and I was like people really like like my swords like not not only the swords that we're making for all this this company but my swords and I was like okay I know that I can make the swords that people want I knew like how much uh, we were getting paid for these swords and everything else and I was like yeah like I I can live by this I just need to find the how Ooh. uh that was like the the main luck that i had when i came to rome that i met the the guy i'm collaborating now like we're not working for each other we're just collaborating but we shared the workshop and he had this workshop that he had just started like some time back uh, it's spadanera italy on on instagram if you want to find him but it was him like i arrived i was like hey i see you're starting making swords i i have been making swords at kind of professional level for for a time so what do you think if we may maybe can collaborate together see how it goes and he was like completely open he was like yeah sure come to the workshop on monday let's see how it goes and i'm also blown away by how well it has gone like 
absolutely no problem whatsoever with him as a person and as craftsmen i don't know it has been a really really nice opportunity to like each, each of us learn like both from the other and from like just trial so the um collaboration with spadanera that was your idea presumably i approached him with it because well i had just moved to rome i didn't know anyone on rome save for my girlfriend at the time mm -hmm. And I needed a workshop to work on, so I contacted uh, like several uh, swordsmiths that I found on like Facebook that uh, my girlfriend knew from like uh, the reenactment uh, or like uh, cosplay or whatever else. And I sent like messages to them, like, "Hey, I'm a swordsmith, like newly moved to Rome. I'm also a goldsmith. Uh, would you be interested in like going to grab a going to grab a coffee and see if we can maybe talk about collaboration?" Mm -hmm. And he was like. One of the first to reply, he was the first that I came to see, and he was just such a nice guy, and he was completely open about it. He was like completely okay, and, and yeah, it worked perfectly. So the uh, idea behind the collaboration, is that just because you like working with someone? I imagine being a swordsmith is quite a lonely uh, pursuit. Yeah, like there, there's those two things, like if I had the chance to work with someone, I would take it like 100% of the time because I, it's, it's funnier that way. I, I like, yeah, it's kind of a lonely job. I can do, you can do it on your own, like perfectly no problem. But being there to share like your opinions with someone to share just the time, share just a lunch, like just especially lunch in Italy, which is like so important food here. It's like, just uh, a such important part of the culture, you know? So, so yeah, I would not trade the chance to work with someone to work alone. I mean, I've had some like rough experiences with some people working in the past, but but now, like right now, it's like really, really really okay. If you find the right person to work with, I think it makes everything so much better. Like having just a hand when you need it, or being able to like just help each other on from from designs or from like solutions to problems that arise randomly. Like making every sword is kind of different thing. So there's always like weird stuff that peers from time to time that it's like, um, how will I solve that now? Ooh. And having another mind thinking it's, it's always like really, really appreciated. It's, it is. I, I, I've got a, just, this is kind of not related, but I've got a close friend of mine who I invited her around on Friday just because I've got lots of plans I need to make. And I just wanted her there so I could just have her input and say, what do you think? And then she can yeah. she can help me reorganize my thoughts because she'll she'll just help me to put them into order. So just having someone there who's on the same wavelength as you has the same kind of understanding it really helps you uh, maximize your your processes, I guess. Yeah, and especially when you have like processes that are like really repetitive you kind of get your mind like set in a certain way and having someone that it has just not been doing the exact same job for the last two hours approaching with a completely fresh mindset is like it can be really really helpful so you were and... sorry go on you, you were saying... no no i think I, I think that comment maybe for me so i'm saying like yeah i i really like to be able to to help people like learn i'm i like to show how it's done mm -hmm. because I've also had experience with people that are like kind of jealous of it. Like they feel that some, like, that more makers will like uh, be, be just like, um, I don't know, they will take the market or whatever. And I don't think that's the case. Like there's no way that all the swords maker, makers working currently can like just keep all the market. Mm -hmm. If there's 
one person or how many persons want to learn. I really appreciate that. I, I, I love the learning to make shorts. And I think that everyone else that can appreciate that and can like that it, it should have the chance to get that knowledge like easily. There's just so many tips that I just learned by chance that if I can share them with people, I'm completely okay with it. Yeah, Collab so. collaboration, not competition. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Because um, when I started working with Spadanera, he was making mostly uh, feathers and side swords on like uh, on, the, on the cheap range, and I wanted to make cool swords. I might I wanted to make swords that I would be <clears throat> I would look and be like, oh yes, this is a really cool sword. And he and I was like, hey, Spadanera, do you want some tips to make stuff that looks more more high end? And he was like, no, no, don't worry, because you have that that. Uh, that slice of the market and I have this slice of the market and that way we don't like uh, like like compete but in the end he just randomly decided uh, to like actually start improving I don't know like he has decided to take these uh, tips and in the end he changed completely this, this his target uh, market target market and it worked perfectly like we get um, we get more commissions that we can handle mm. And we joke right now to like, oh yeah, I got some people calling me for a sword and I brought them to you. I gave them your message. So now you have more job and I can rest, stuff like that. It's just, there's no way like competition here. It's not something that I have had to experience. Like it, I'm very honest. Like I, I could not deal with the people arriving asking for swords. So, so if someone else yeah. wants to make them for someone them, it's below, that's fine. There's, there's not yeah. enough sword makers to cope with the demand. That's the thing. There's no enough sword makers to fill all the market, and all the market that is like so complex because there's people looking for sports swords, there's people looking for like uh, bohurt swords, there's people looking for uh, really accurate swords for reenactment, or people looking for really fancy kind of swords with a twist for like collection. So Ooh. it's it's a really complex market, and it's a really big market, and, a, and yeah, everyone. Hmm. Um, so I was going to say your your experience uh, and uh, training as a goldsmith. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have no doubt that that has influenced your style as a sword maker because you you create very aesthetically pleasing swords. Uh, just just every single post you put out, I I share almost every single thing on my story. It's just like every single sword has got wow factor. There's nothing you. utilitarian about anything you make. Like you said to your friend, you know, you could make this look more high-end. It's like, because that's basically all you do is make stuff high-end, regardless of what kind of level it's at. Yeah, I think, um, I think it has something to do with, um, with just getting used to working small and getting used to work with detail. Because mm -hmm. I, I said uh, before, I think, I really um, appreciate every chance that I get to use my like jewelry training into the swords. Mm -hmm. And of course, when I was like just starting, it was like very, very rare because most swords that people were asking me were swords that they had seen already on my Instagram. So I did not have the chance to try a lot of new stuff for for quite a while. But then, for example, when I started making the the chase and repousse, I don't know how how that word is pronounced but uh, those insets in the pommels or when I started uh, trying some small like chances to get inlay, uh, I don't know, it was 
really nice to get to, to, to try all these techniques, all this training into something different. And I know that there's a lot of things that I could make that no one would even think about asking because uh, the jewelry that I learned was like classic Florentine style, but it's still very modern in a way. It was like uh, mostly the, the styles developed by Buccellati and, and the jewelry masters in Italy in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. So it's not jewelry from the Middle Ages. It would be kind of weird to put it on sword, but I just want to find a way how. Like, for example, like these swords that uh, Peter Johnson made for his exhibition uh, Reflections, I think it was called. They were all incredible. And if I could make even something that resembles uh, the level of craft, it's... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's that. It's the main reason, for example, that I I don't really like katanas that much. I'm not a fan. But the crafting of the katanas themselves, it's incredible. Like, I've, I follow a few a few smiths, like some Japanese and some uh, from France, I think. I think it's called Michael Sabatier. I have no idea. But he shows pretty much every single step from the making of the swords. And the craftsmanship involved, it's it's just insane. Like, you, you can see all the steps of the process and, and, and just be like, wow, from each of those. Mm-hmm. And I... I kind of want to achieve something like that. It's hard to do with like medieval swords since they are like very specifically constructed. Mm-hmm. But whenever I get the chance to even try a bit, it's it's really appreciated. A lot of your uh, your social media content is the swords, the finished products themselves. Would you ever be willing to sort of show the processes of how you make a sword? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, actually, because I. I thought about that myself, like just a couple of weeks back. I was looking at my feed. I was like, "Hmm, this just finished swords here." I really like to to post some like work in progress every every once in a while, or maybe videos of the making. But I'm just like really bad to keep track of stuff. So when I'm t- start a new part of the of the making, I forget to make the video or something else. So for example, for this last one of the last swords that I've been posting, like this sword that is heavily inspired by the by the Witcher games, oh. I specifically made a point of having at least from a couple seconds to a couple minutes of video for each part of the process. So in the end, I can, I can like, honestly, I just want to make one of these cool videos that you see like on TikTok where like the, the jeweler is making like all the parts and then yeah. magically there's something like, this, like that. <laughs> but no, it's been like, it's been my goal for like a really long time to open, for example, a Patreon uh, account for like just short making, short making specifically, open a YouTube account for like, both sword making and and also talking about swords. Like I think I can talk about swords for a while. I think that's what's supposed to happen now. Um, but I just really really bad to to do it. Like I the last time I went back home, I took with me a lot of material for videos. I was like, okay, I had so much material made uh, and so much recorded. I will just get home and be able to work on mounting all these videos and finally starting a YouTube channel. And I got home. I started watching the videos. And they were all so bad, like so terribly bad. Like the focus, the the the, the framing, everything was terrible. I was I cannot use any of this, like not not at all. So hopefully, a friend will be uh, joining me in July, maybe. And she studied photography, so ideally she should be able to help me, like specifically, like making videos for my craft, and so we can like mount mount them, edit them, and have like a proper like video series, YouTube channel, uh, Patreon for like with details for every part of the process. I don't know, like I've, I've been wanting to make, to do this for so long and still not manage it. 
it's been a bit frustrating lately. That sounds like a brilliant series. I can't wait to see it. Um, so you're busy making swords every day. Do you ever get time to train and do Hime yourself? Oh, that's kind of hard. Like, I'd really love to. Uh, but in, in other than it's it's really hard with now with COVID and everything. Uh, I don't have a car here. And moving around, it's it's been difficult. Like, I should be able, maybe, maybe to get the chance uh, soon. But so far, specifically, specifically the last few years, uh, I've been, like, investing, mm -hmm. like, almost mm -hmm. the entirety of my time into, like, making the swords. And I've been, like, exhausted every day for, like, two three years um it's stabilized stabilizing a bit right now and i think that i'm looking forward to do other stuff i if i manage to get a car like even a used one like soon i would like to go to rome to join the for example i, I played the bagpipes and i was going to join a bagpipe band in rome because i played for like eight years in a bagpipe band in chile oh, wow. uh, but i couldn't because the trains here like the last train that comes to this town goes uh too soon and it's and when when i would have been out of the rehearsals i would have already not been able to take the train so it's it's hard but i'm hoping to because i know there are some hema schools like in in the area but i just have not been able to to, to get the time for for that until now i should but but it, i will see i will see in like the, the few months maybe do you um what sorry, I was going to say. What what would you say is the main focus of your business? That's uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of a complex question because the focus of my business, of my business it's both for me to like I don't know. I really enjoy talking with my clients, and lately, for example, uh, I started uh, uh, using Discord. I had not been using Discord at all, and I joined Discord, started a, a server just for sort talk. Mm -hmm. And then I joined a few others for like medieval stuff in general. And the people there is so nice. Like, and a lot of them are also my clients and they want things and they want the very specific things that, for example, I have never been even, even thought about making. Mm -hmm. And I saw that and it's like, wow, that's so nice. That's so interesting. And I like to make that like, I think that in, in short words, my main focus would be make interesting stuff. I, I like to make sorts that, I find interesting, like, swords that are, like, somehow weird. Uh, I don't know. There was this uh, Polax with a sword handle uh, that I may need to, to to build one in a few couple of months. So I I really enjoy the sense of what the community talks about this. And I really enjoy, like, making, like, what people suggest to me. Like, hey, could you make this? And they come with a really crazy idea. And I'm like... Yes, definitely. That's so, so interesting. Um, it's, I think I'm, I can point kind of out of the question, but I think it's mostly making, um, <clears throat> like making the best swords I can make. Like, and I think that I've had the chance for that because when I was just starting, I had to make exactly what people requested. It was like, just what do you have to do? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a job, you, you get these commissions, and when no one knows you in the, in the environment, when no one has ever heard of you, you just do whatever else. But I think that I have been very lucky uh, with uh, how, how my, my reach, for example, online has been growing, that now people are kind of willing to listen to me. So I can I have some small say to do what I want to make. And I've been 
I don't know. I've heard from other makers that I've talked to that they got stuck with a certain like um, like product. For example, uh, some guys that were making swords mainly for for Bhut, and they were like just making that not because they wanted, but because it was what people were asking of them, and no one would even think so far to ask them anything else. And they were like kind of getting bored of it, but it was it was their job. Yeah. It was what they were doing, and they were content with that. And I've been really really like like fortunate to be able to just make the best sorts that I can make. And I, like, we joke about this a lot with uh, Spadanera or whoever else is coming into the workshop. I want to be the, the king of sorts. Like we joke with that like all the time because I really want to make the best sorts that I can. And I have not like got stuck with doing anything less. And that is like so, so nice for me. Like I can always do the exact best that I can. And I can, I, I really, I would, I know that there's a lot of people like ahead of me, people that are incredibly talented or that have just been there like longer than I have. Uh, but I would like to make the best swords, like the best looking swords that are also completely functional. That's, that's really fine for me. Like I make all my swords with the idea that they will be used, be them for like a cutting test or for, for HEMA practices. And it's just from time to time that people ask me for a sword for HEMA. I make it, I ship them to them. And they are like, oh, man, I love your sword, but I kind of feel bad using it because it's, it's just so pretty. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's, that's your choice, but at least be content to know that if you wanted to use it, you could. Yeah. Like, I made all my swords with use in mind, but I also try to make them, like, like the, the absolute best that I can because I want to improve as much as to be one of the best sword makers. That's, what, that's my goal. Mm -hmm. Like, if... Being the, the the best sword maker is an achievable goal. That would be my goal. I know, I know what I'm against. So, so just being among them would already be like, like really really nice for me. That would be like my focus. My focus is to make swords that that get to be the best that they can, like at every at any given moment. I mean, as a creative person, it would be really sad to be stuck in a niche where you have had to make whatever the market demanded and you had no ability or uh, yeah. hope to make the things that make you happy. Uh, yeah. And I think there is a kind of, I mean, of, I think people underestimate the power of popularity. Popularity isn't just having lots of people like you. Popularity is so that lots of people know you and it that mm -hmm. you can create things that people want and the more people that know you the more ideas like you say people come out with more yeah. ideas of what yeah. they want and then other people see uh what's possible and that inspires them uh, yeah yeah definitely. For, different, for different commissions and of course it inspires you uh as a creator mm -hmm. for what, what yeah. is actually possible um oh, i think we're at halfway uh, we're half past the hour so there's uh, 19 people watching at the moment. And uh, folks, if you've got any questions for Aaron, uh, please just hit that button at the bottom of your screen. It looks like a speech bubble with a question mark in it. There you go. Someone's already asking us a question. Uh, and then we can read them out. I see there's been some comments here. I'm just going to go through. People have been saying lots of nice things while we've been talking. Um, gosh, there's an awful lot here. Uh, hello? 
I was just looking at the comments. I don't know. Spanish, so I can't read. Uh, they are very nice looking swords that you make. Yes, very much. Uh, cool geezer. Looking forward to more future posts. Do cheerio. I love your openness about teaching the trade. That's what you were replying to earlier. So that is the screen and I just... You need someone to film the making of a sword for Tess. So, yeah, I think if you, you, you need to just have a, a good setup so you can just work and not have to think about the, uh, yeah. the filming. Like really, you need someone holding the camera yeah. because you cannot just... You see the tripod works for like a lot of stuff, but it doesn't work for all the stuff. So you, you kind of need someone like being there, getting close. Yeah. So channeling creativity is the key to peace. Hope to see more live streams. Gladiator sword ideas. Uh, I have to make one in, in like a couple months. Like, Cool. Uh, strive for perfection. Um, if you want to use the maximum artistic capabilities you have in historical context, please look at historical swords of Persia, especially the sword of Shah Abbas. Uh, how did you get into crafting swords? Well, we covered that at the beginning of the interview. Um, it happened by accident. <laughs> um, <laughs> can you quickly describe the process of a sword being made by you? Okay, that varies a bit uh, depending on what uh, someone wants. Because, of course, I can either stock grind the swords or I stock, uh, do stock removal or do forging. So I would normally, for like the most average sword, get uh, a really, really rough cut of the shape of the blade. Then from that rough cut, I would like uh, forge the tang of the sword and then forge the tips into the proper shape. I would grind the, the edges of the blade that some were already forged, some not. And uh, that's it, the blade's done. So I then go with the cross cut. I start from like uh, normally square stock from like, I don't know, let's say two and a half for two and a half centimeters and start forging from there. And normally then I do have some help from, from Spadanero, from whoever friend is like there at the moment, because since I don't have a power hammer right now, I have to do it by striking. So one beats with a really big hammer, the other is holding the piece. Uh, and done with that, I finish, I make the, I make the holes for the cross guard, first with the drill and then with the chisel. Uh, when that's done, I leave it over there. I grab another piece for the, for the pommel, which is normally either, uh, five or five square or uh, six centimeters round. And I forge those into whatever really, really rough shape I need. Like that takes a lot of hammering and I am not able at the moment to do like really close to the final shape. So I just rough shape, rough shape and then uh, use the grinders. After I have all the rough pieces, I just grind them all on the belt grinders like to get the final shape for the pommels and the cross guard. And I do the heat treatment of the of the blade. The heat treatment of the blade is something that we started making very re recently before we just went to a specialized company that did it, but it was very slow. So it's so much comfortable like being able to do it at the workshop. We just got a vertical um, oven that we put the, the burner from the forge and just leave it there. We heat treat the blades. And after that, I start like mounting the pieces. I make the the grip out of wood with either like just making half and carving the space for the tongue or lately making just uh, one big piece and piercing it with the with the with the hot tongue like yeah. i put the tongue in the forge 
get it on the vise, and then I go with the already drilled piece of wood and just push it in, and just with the heat of the metal, uh, you get to do it. I think there may be a video of that on my Facebook, I don't, on my Facebook, on, on my Instagram account, but if it's not there, it's on my TikTok account that I do have. I not do, use it very often, but it is it exists, and there are some parts of the process there. Um, that's it. After the, the grip is done, I finish shaping it, mount all the pieces together, pin the, the end of the tank on the pommel, and do the leather work. The leather work is the last part that I do. Normally also with the scabbard, that's also the last part that I do. And, and that's it. Like there are some videos of the process either here on my Instagram account or on TikTok. But as I was saying just, just before, like ideally after June, July, I should start making like videos out of every part and I should be like posting them on like YouTube, like orderly in a way that they can be easily found. And ideally, they are also like nicer to to look at. Fantastic. So I think, uh, Aris- I think that, that as I can explain, like the, the whole process of making one sword. <laughs> very very quickly, um, Aristophan says, "I want to see an Iberian montante from you." Iberian montante. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Uh, the other thing is that I would need someone to commission it first because I rarely get any time to work on like personal or independent projects. That's, I think, one of the the, the few downsides of the, of the job is that I get so few time to work on, like, personal projects. Mm-hmm. I normally get get it faster to just convince someone to get it. Like, ah, yeah, I'm looking for a sword. Yeah, you already have something specific in mind? No, not really. Ah, well, let me help that's you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I that, just have money. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, money. Tell me that's, what you want to make for me. <laughs> right, we've got some uh, questions here, so let's go through them. And people are asking stuff. Uh, right, Dorcasaurus Hex. What's your favourite fantasy design? My favourite fantasy design. Yeah. I've seen the like... Witcher just now. Oh. Well, the witchers are some of my favorite fantasy swords. They are like so cool. But if we're talking about historical swords, I think the fanciest sword that I know is the sword of uh, the Emperor Maximilian. Mm-hmm. It's an insane sword feel of like a silver filigree, um, <clears throat> damascening, like the entire blade is made like of really, really short fullers, like three, two, three, two for the entire length of the blade. It's, I think, one of the fanciest European swords that I've ever seen. And I really, really want to get to the point of being able to reproduce it at some point. But there's a lot of that I need to learn first. For example, the masoning, which is like putting all these tiny gold uh, wires into the, the metal. It's not inlay. It's you kind of scratch the surface and then put the metal there and magically it, it stays. I have no idea how that works. It's, it's, it's magic for magic. me. But I will at some point learn and let's say, yeah, at least. All right, next question. Marco says, how many times do you take, or how much time does it take to make a sword on average? That varies a lot of it. For example, um, I've made swords like, the absolute like shortest time that I've ever taken to make a sword is about uh, four or five days. Um, I could do less if I had, for example, uh, a lathe where I could like have all my pommels like made previously, uh, the cross guards from like laser cuts, something like that. I've been able to make swords like that very little, but at some point in life. 
And those shorts only take like a couple of days, like two, three days, like the absolute minimum. But normally it takes me from two weeks to a month. Like right now I'm working on four stores simultaneously and I've been working on them like about a month, but half of the month I've like not really been able to because I had to, for example, isolate from the workshop for a week. Uh, I don't know, there's a lot of stuff that, that's been going on. Uh, but if I finish them this week, I would have finished four swords in about three weeks of work, which would mean that it takes me less than a week. But they are very simple swords for like more complex designs. It could be even more, like it could be a month, uh, maybe even two. But then again, my the like when I asked you, when a client asked me how long I will take to make a sword, it's yeah, I will take this amount of time to make your sword, but I will not be able to start your sword until I have done like all the ones that comes first. Mm -hmm. Okay, next question. Uh, Aaron, would you be open for internships when Corona is over? Do you want an apprentice? Yeah, yeah, I would be completely open for that. Absolutely no problem. Like having, having an extra hand there, it's awesome. And I also enjoy the company. I enjoy like, Having people learn, like people they're learning and, and enjoying themselves and giving me a hand, which is very, very appreciated. Have you had any apprentices already? Uh, not for sorts. I have some people ask me, but it has always been in like COVID time. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. there was, uh, there have been a couple guys coming to learn when we were working, we were working for a few months with uh, Ullman Blaze also here on Instagram. And a couple guys took some forging lessons from him, but mainly for mainly very specific forging lessons for like knife making. Mm -hmm. Like it was, they, they were not properly like interns learning how to make swords. Do you think you'd ever do uh, work uh, that sword making courses? I know like uh, Todd does that. I think it's Todd's workshop does a, a course where someone stays with you for a week and makes a sword. Owen is doing some. Uh, I don't know. I would. Something I would really like the idea. I have to say something yet. Like, I have a very different level of sword making than I have from uh, blacksmithing. I can be like a really decent, I don't know, uh, that's not for me to say, but sword maker. But I'm also very, very inexperienced in blacksmithing. So if you want to learn how to make swords, I can teach you how to make swords. If you want to learn how to forge, there's not that much that I can properly teach you. I mean, I do it a lot and I'm slowly like learning, getting used to it, but I, I do not say to anyone, I'm like a super good blacksmith. I am not, I'm just learning like most of all the other people here. Mm -hmm. So just to be clear, a blacksmith is a more generalized, makes a, a wider variety of items than a, a swordsmith would be just focusing yeah. on. Let's say, let's say that uh, forging is just a part of uh, sword making. And it's one of the parts that I have the least experience with. I have enough experience to use forging to make my work making swords easier, uh, faster, and some ways more, more precise, for example. But I could not, like, um, I don't know, forge all the pieces to the closest to their, like, final shape, for example, um, I don't know. Gael Faber here on a uh, French blacksmith from from Instagram as well. He's 
insane at forging. I've seen his source being like almost to the finished shape just by forging, and that's incredible. Like I would love to do that, but you need also a completely different setup to do stuff like that. For example, the power hammer, it's, it's very important. Sorry, which you're lacking at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to get one soon, but not yet. It also depends on like going to see it to see if it works. And that has been like very slow because of COVID again. Oh, we've been asked this. It's come in a few times this one for some reason. Right, next question from the audience. Uh, Wuta, 1815. Did you ever think about using different steel alloys? For example, Wootz, which is Bulat or Crucible steel. Tell us what that is first, because uh, we don't know what that means. Uh, first, I would love to, but again, uh, there's like very little that I can do in, in that sense with my, my setup. I can do very, very limited like pattern welding for like small pieces, mm -hmm. like, uh, I don't know, small knives. I have rarely ever done so, but it's not much more than you can do. And woods, I am not super like knowledgeable in all the terminology. I think woods is when you start with like this, like really small pieces or like dust of iron, and then you solder it in like a small box that you forge to make all the pieces together. Uh, I may be confusing with other ones, but for example, with crucible steel that you need to make like a furnace to melt all the steel in a crucible. And I don't, at the moment, sadly, I just don't have the, the setup to work on something like that. Mm -hmm. But we've been wanting to, like me and Spadaneta have been talking about like, yeah, we should try crucible steel. We should try woods. We should try make entirely pattern welded swords. Mm -hmm. uh, but it all will come in time. Like we're finally getting like stable with all the things that we needed at the workshop first. Like, I don't know, a drill press, uh, another belt grinder. Uh, the power hammer that we finally saved enough money for and we're getting as soon as we're managed to just go and pick it. That, that's the only thing that's like stopping us. And after that's done, we'll be like certainly uh, focusing on a lot of the setup that we need to make all this cool stuff because of course we see all the people doing it on the internet and we're like, ah, why we cannot make that? Like all these people doing it and it looks just so cool. <laughs> so... So yeah, I want to, I cannot at the moment, but uh, I ideally I will be doing it soonish. Okay, next question. Uh, I think, are you also looking at the balance and weight distribution authenticity? So when you make a sword, are you making that as historically accurate as you can? The balance? Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's part of the idea. I mean, mm -hmm. some people, don't care about that when they come as a for the sword. Some people care a lot about that. I always try to have it in mind all the time for all the swords because I want my swords to be as functional as they would be. Mm -hmm. That changes when you are asking for something that's a sharp or that's something that's blunt for a Hema. But ideally, you just change the, the proportions, change the tapering so you can have like the most close to like uh, to the handling of a real sword for either cutting swords or Hema swords. It's, it's part of the, the base part of the process, I think. Yeah, uh, just a few more questions and then I think we're gonna have to wrap it up. These questions keep coming in. Uh, here, oh, this is, this is a good one. Um, what are some misconceptions about sword making slash smithing you would love to help out of the world? <laughs> <laughs> Help out the world. It, feels, it feels, sounds, sounds like a, a really big responsibility. Um, 
I don't know. There's one, for example, that I've heard a lot, but I've also heard it addressed, so I, I don't know how prevalent it is like right now, which is that forging makes the edge harder, and that's so not true. The thing is that today, the steel alloys that you get from like the, the people that make steels are like just so perfect and so precisely made that by overforging you actually most of the time risk ruining the steel or like not ruin it you will most certainly not ruin the steel but take away some of the properties like take away some of the carbon it's not like in the middle ages like adding carbon to the steel by forging today most of the time you end up like taking uh carbon taking some of the minerals so you have to be very precise at forging, and that's one of the hard parts, because you have to have the least amount of heatings of the piece as you can. So you have to be the most like uh, efficient and effective while having just one heat, doing exactly what you need to do, then putting it back in, ideally in a different position. So you don't over overheat the pieces and you don't overforge too much. That's one of the main misconceptions. And I think that Everyone has already talked about how swords are not supposed to be heavy, but still from time to time, someone comes to the workshop. I was like, hey, why are they so light? They're supposed to weigh like 40 kilos. I don't know. And I, I really have this personal project that I only will be able to address when I have the power hammer. I really want to forge a sword that weighs 15 kilos, like with the exact same proportions of a, a real sword. So people can, can actually know like, hey, this is what an actual 15 kilo sword would look. And it would be just insane. Like I think people just don't know what fifteen kilos is. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. So part of the problem. Like a sword rarely, like very, very rarely weighs like two kilos. It's like my, my like, spider weighs half of my little dog, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the heaviest sword that I've ever made was like uh one and a half meters tall. It was like 1.7 kilos like it's the largest sword that i've ever made and that was, was not even close to two kilos yeah. um right let's get through these questions because uh yeah. i've got loads right we've already answered that one um find another one oh we've done all of those we've done all the questions in the box let's see some people are asking stuff in the comments now um Oh, here, I like this question. What's your favorite type of sword, both to make and to, that you just appreciate and like to use? I have two favorite type of swords. One is Viking swords. I just love like Viking swords with the engraved handles, with the inlay handles, with the weird uh, cast handles. I, Viking swords are so cool. And I also love um, complex hilt long swords, like this 16th century or stuff like that. Like all these long swords with like rapier hilts, kind of <laughs> like the Swiss sabers. I love Swiss sabers, but I think that I cannot say that I love just Swiss sabers. Like all long swords that have like these really complex hilts with like the rings and everything else. I, I, I like them all so much. They are so also so fun to make, mm -hmm. but also so nice to see. Like. And that, that's one of the things that makes the, the swords of the Witcher to be so cool because Witcher takes a lot of uh, inspiration from these kind of swords specifically. And they are like just so nice. Those Viking swords and complex hilt long swords are my favorite. We don't, like, we don't see enough uh, complex hilted long swords, do we? Just one second, there's like a fracture going down. That's one of the things living in the countryside. Uh, yeah, now I can hear you. Sorry, I was just saying we don't. We really in Hema, particularly, we just don't see complex hilted longswords. 
Yeah, that's that's very sad because they're I don't know, maybe they are out of period. I don't know, maybe they would use different systems of, of fencing. I've heard once that uh, a guy that wanted one thought that he would not be allowed to use it in, in tournaments in his school because the guard was like like constructed differently. Mm -hmm. But I think that in most cases they could be used. I've seen like uh, a lot of swords for Hima with like double rings like in the in the cross guard. Just a bit like that, maybe some twisting there, maybe a couple more rings. I don't know. I think it could be used more, and I think it should be used more. I think probably there's not enough make enough makers like making them. Like I don't get to make them as as much as I I want. I made like two complex hill long swords. One was uh, <clears throat> these really big like uh, one and a half meter swords that I made back then. The other is this like uh, sword made in an inspiration of the Swiss sabers, but with a falchion blade. And with the dragon tips on the on the cross guard, it was a really nice sword. It's one of my favorites that I've ever made. But it was like not precisely the type because it was like it had some fantasy elements and some anachronistic elements. Mm -hmm. I, I just just thinking about long swords in general. Um, the main problem in Hema, as you as you know, mm -hmm. is hand protection. And there's yeah. this, there's this, yeah. this holy grail of uh, we need to find the perfect glove so that we can rest, you know, prevent hand injuries. But complex hilts on long swords is the answer. It's not gloves. <laughs> definitely solved that problem, well, like immediately. That's what they did at the time. I mean, they had feathers for competition, but the swords that you would use would have complex hilts. <laughs> Because they weren't, there yeah. wasn't, uh, people weren't going around wearing gauntlets all the time, so they'd have a complex yeah. thing on their on their everyday sword. Yeah, pretty much. But for me, yeah, that, that does, does sound like a perfect solution. Yeah. So people out there ask more of those. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, don't, I don't even want like, oh yeah, give me your money. No, I just want to have the chance to make them. I love those swords. <laughs> yeah, I uh, someone said, uh, can't, I can't pronounce this, but Aaron, for you, which part of the sword making process is the most important that you do? And which part would you not ask someone else to do? The mm. bit that you want to do yourself? It's, it's hard to say which is the most important because I, I mean, I could say like the blade is probably most important. The heat treatment is definitely probably the most important part. Uh, but I don't know, like, I think it, it varies from sword to sword. If I have to make like a really generic looking, I don't know, like straight cross guard, wheel pommel, I would not mind if someone else give me a hand with those things. Like, hey, you're grinding already some pommels, just grind one more for me. I would not have a problem. <clears throat> but for me, the most important, I think, is when I get to make the cool sword. For example, when I have to carve a really nice uh, fishtail pommel, I, that's one of my favorite type of pommels. And they have like all these weird pieces in the carving. I think, I think that is the most important for me in the sense that I would not let other people doing. Like the detail work is something that I feel like much more sure making myself because I know exactly what I want. And it's just easier that way. <laughs> but important as in for the process of sword making itself, I don't know. I think that it would have to be the heat treatment. That's what can either like make or, or kill a blade that if you make, if you have your heat treatment gone wrong, then that blade will not survive heavy use. And the idea is that they do. Uh, Aristofan says, what's your favorite oak shot blade type? 
Ooh, my favorite Oakshot Blade type, <clears throat> I think, would be the Type uh, 16. And I think it would be the Type 16 mainly because I really like swords with fullers. And I really like swords with really crisp uh, diamond sections. And that's the only typology that systematically has those two categories. You have sometimes some uh, Type 18s with fullers, but not all the time. Then you have some other swords that have a lot of fullers, but not always the diamond section. Um, I don't know. I think the one that most systematically fits my like my, my categories for what I like is the Type 16. But lately, I've been also looking into like swords with more weird fullering like like uh, characteristics, like Type 19. It's also very fine, especially for like um, long swords. And type 20, I am actually working on one with like, the one that goes with two fullers until one point and then it just goes into one. It's It's been really fun to make and I hope that it comes nicely because I'm really looking forward to see it finished. But that. Uh, Lin Flinus Gustafsson says, what is your preferred handle material? My preferred handle material? Oh, that's really hard to answer because um, I don't know if I know the translation of the type of the wood that I use okay. because I know it's Frasino, uh, I think. And I think that Frasino is uh, you. That's the name of the tree. Let me Google it. Frasino. Oh. It could be wood, or it could be ash. I don't know. I know it's called Frasino in Italian. I don't even know oh. the name in Spanish. And she's my mother, don't. Frasino. With double S, I think. Ash. It's Ash. Oh, yeah. Then, then Ash. I, I, look, I will, be, I will be really honest here. I'm not even sure it's that one, but I'm almost sure it's that one. <laughs> I'm almost sure it's Frasino. Okay, I think we've got time for one more question. Uh, we've got one in the box here. <laughs> this is from your friend, Spadanera, Italy. Do you want to do a blacksmith <laughs> calendar? That has been an idea that has been like thrown around um, for a while. Like a lot of people have been asking like, when is the pinup blacksmith calendar coming? And I don't know, maybe. We'll, we'll have to get um, 10 other blacksmiths to, to join, so well, it will not be that hard. But... I've been interviewing a blacksmith every weekend so far, so... Maybe maybe we'll have to get them to join. We'll have to get them to join. That will be the end of series finale. <laughs> okay, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you for asking me. And it's lovely. Uh, everyone has some really great questions for you too. So looking forward to everything that you do and uh, have a great evening. You too. Thank Bye. you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To show your appreciation, please give us a five-star review on your podcast platform or support our work by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. Go to at swordwomen on Instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit bythesword.net to learn about our events or visit our Facebook page, By the Sword.